five? Uh, yes, we are live. That's what's up. That's what's up. All Who right. would have thought this? <laughs> Years in the making. Exactly. So uh, welcome, everybody, to our inaugural podcast. We are The Social Exchange. My name is David. And, and I'm Guy. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> I'm just stealing your thunder right off the bat. Um, so, you know, what we're here to do today is really just talk you through some of the research that we've been doing uh, independently for the past couple of years. We were initially going to provide this uh, research via a, a written report, but we figured since nobody reads anymore, mm -mm. we <laughs> we were going to uh, just provide it via podcast because this is a funner method anyways. So uh, just to start off things, uh, shout out to uh, Talk Shoe, who has provided the venue here. Uh, awesome uh, location that's providing us with a complimentary recording service for our podcast here at Stacked Market in Toronto. And I uh, figured we'd start off by talking about, you know, what the social exchange is. Uh, so essentially what we've been doing is exploring social enterprise business models, trying to figure out if there's a way to use technology um, to deliver a positive social impact while supporting a business model that results in profitability. And so we, we sought out to try to find out ways in which that technology is supporting these business models and see what our potential value add could be. And that's kind of where we all started off. Is that my capture in that? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much uh, we research, think, and analyze how technology could be used to better everybody's life um, going forward. Uh, yeah, no, so you captured that perfectly. Awesome, awesome. So this started off a few years back where we really piggybacked on a open streets initiative in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where they were running a pilot program to determine the extent to which more streets in Toronto could be made walkable. We, uh, we posted up and we had a two question survey that we asked people physically. Uh, we, we gave people sticky notes and we said, which cause is most important to you and which brand should help you support that cause. And the causes were selected from the UN Sustainable Development Goal Framework, which is a uh, set of 15, 16 uh, mutually exclusive uh, and completely exhaustive uh, list of, of goal sort of buckets that are meant to represent the uh, sort of totality that we need to uh, address in order to have a sustainable future. So we use that as an initial framework and then we used the Forbes top 50 brands and we essentially just had a bunch of conversations where people would select a goal and they'd select a brand and they'd tell us why that brand should support that goal. And we had probably about 20 or 30 conversations that day it was a pretty cool day. It's, pr it's pretty incredible because we actually spoke to people face to face. Uh, we stopped them on the street and we said, hey, and then they stopped and then they said, hey, and then we, we asked them, what do you think about sustainability in these companies? And then from there, a bunch of people, like the, some of the most interesting conversations that we had uh, came from like water or McDonald's or Nestle. And they, they were revealing things that we actually didn't think that they were going to reveal. We thought they were just going to walk right by us. So it was actually really cool. It was really cool to see and feel. Yeah. So one of the initial insights was that people would select brands based off of one, or, one of two things. Either they felt that that brand had a high um, resource availability and innovative capability. So they thought that this company was 
the type of company that could either fund the uh, ad addressing of, of a specific social cause, or they thought that this uh, company had the um, the intelligence, let's say, or the uh, the human capability to to solve uh, these challenges. So that, that was one sort of bucket. Or they would pick a brand based off of the negative impact that they perceive that brand to have. So let's say Nestle was mentioned. A lot of people chose Nestle and uh, con connected Nestle to water because there's that bottled water connotation. So they figured there's there's got to be a give for the take. You're bottling water, so you need to be cleaning water as well and, and really addressing the perceived negative impact that you're having. 100. It was like um, the difference between Nestle promoting that uh, water is a privilege and people believing that water is a right. So why why is it why is bottled water so expensive? Not like and then Nestle got hit for that. Right. So that initial research study informed uh, like a short listing of of goals that were selected the most. Those goals were quality education, clean water and sanitation. That's not goal number 2. Uh, goal number three was peace, justice, and strong institutions. Uh, goal number four was uh, poverty reduction or no poverty. Uh, goal number five was decent work and economic growth. And goal number six was climate action. So those were the goals that we took into the second phase of our research, which was a digital study. We had three questions. The first question was, out of these six goals, which one do you think is the most important? And then we had a short list of brands that we had them select from. And then the third question was why? And that was like a free form text input box where you could just put a qualitative response. Why do you think this brand should support this cause? And the brands that we chose yeah, were... Uh, we had Uniqlo, uh, The Bay, Shopify, Longos, which is also Grocery Gateway, Canadian Tire and Walmart. Back to you. Yeah, so we selected these six brands because, well, for for a couple of different variables, for a couple of different reasons. One was their uh, e-commerce presence. So we kind of started off from an assumption that brands with a strong e-commerce presence had the opportunity, from a technology standpoint, to route funds through their e-commerce platforms to causes. So that was initial sort of point of investigation where we figured if, you have, if you're selling goods online or if you're facilitating the sale of goods online, there's a chance you're gonna be able to um, divert a, a portion of the, uh, you know, the, the money that gets spent on these goods to a cause. And that was one of the reasons why we selected them. The second one is we wanted to have more of a local um, flavor to this research. So we chose brands that we felt were having a significant impact on the local economy. So that's why we chose those six brands. And to be honest, <clears throat> when we when we first conceived of this um, this idea, the world had already kind of started changing. Um, we were becoming more aware about our own impact on everything going forward. So like education or even ourselves, um, health, for example. Um, but since that time, look at look at how straws have changed. We used to have st plastic straws everywhere, and now they melt in my drink. So, uh, like, think about how much more aware we are. Are you talking about biodegradable <laughs> yeah, stuff? Yeah, I'm talking about bio. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I was actually just at the gym uh, the other day and they were selling um, reusable straws and then you could fold them up and put them in a little like a locket that you keep like on your wrist or on your around your neck or something. So this, for some reason, straw specifically, I guess, because there's been too many photos of, of uh, fish with straws. Fish are drinking yeah. out of straws in the water, man. Like, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> we can't have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's too much plastic in the ocean. Exactly. So um, just to see how quickly or how fast the world has shifted from just that little thing just tells you how like how how ahead of where we are today we were back then i know that doesn't make sense but how how much we were thinking about this back then and how much other people started thinking about it and then how the awareness in the pictures and so on and so forth changed just a small thing just straws yeah it's definitely it's definitely hard to argue that people have become more socially conscious lately and in particular uh, they've become much more in tune with the climate uh, change uh, crisis or issue. Uh, so, I mean, a little bit about why we did this study in the first place. We wanted to, like I mentioned at the top of the uh, this podcast, um, we wanted to explore different social enterprise business models and see how uh, technology could potentially support them. But we also wanted to understand how public opinion could shape social responsibility initiatives and and just kind of see how brands were reacting to what people were saying about them. So those are kind of two of the angles that we wanted to focus on. Anything else I'm missing from that? No, like <clears throat> you go on any streaming, uh, I guess, app uh, over the last few years, again, um, like Dave mentioned, we have uh, water awareness, climate change awareness, and then how much pressure just the exposure that people had to uh, the climate crisis and or climate change, sorry, how that pushed pressure on governments and if not governments, um, companies, right? So how the behavior of companies have changed be because of the behavior of people and just what people are watching. So everything becomes more powerful in, in a weird way, right? It's just this perpetual loop of power. Feeds on itself, right? Yeah. So let's get into the results a little bit and see what, where, we, uh, where we landed here. So the top brands selected by the participants, of which there was about 100, um, primarily millennials and primarily in the Northeast of uh, North America. Uh, so the, the top uh, selected brand was Walmart, followed by Canadian Tire at second. Third was Shopify. Fourth was Hudson's Bay Company. Fifth was Uniqlo and Longo's came in sixth. So those were, that was the ordering in terms of the, uh, the amount of times people would select the brand to support the cause that they selected. Now, those causes in order uh, were quality education was the top selected cause. The second top selected cause was climate action. Third was poverty reduction. Fourth was was peace, justice, and strong institutions. Fifth was clean water and sanitation. And in last was decent work and economic growth. Um, we'll see if, if we were to ask that, that, that question a year from now or two years from now, if we're in a recession, we'll see if that would change. It's interesting to think about whether numbers one and two, quality education and then climate change, whether that would have changed in order if we were to ask those questions today. What do you think, Keith? Look, where we were in 2015, 2016, our problems were um, what we were being exposed to were people not being able to go to school, right? Um, then you look at everything that happened from the time we took that first survey 
democratic governments are going down. And then now people are becoming more aware of uh, the fragility of democracy. So it's possible that if we ask that, those questions today, uh, I know that um, um, peace, justice, and strong institutions was number four, but that could that could go up to number three or number two, right? Climate change, it's everywhere, for and against. So that could just by sheer noise, mm-hmm. it could be, it could go up to number one, mm-hmm. right? No one's talking about education anymore. Mm-hmm. That'll be my pick. I would pick climate change as number one right now for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I see. And then economic growth, it depends. It depends who we're asking. Yeah, it's right? true. If if you're thirty. Maybe if you have small kids, right? Like, right. What does the future look like? If you're a bachelor and you're 60, <laughs> man, you're, you're, you're loving life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't or, care about or, the climate if you're a bachelor and you're 60. Yeah, right? like, he, yeah, exactly. So uh, it was, if we ask these questions again, I, I would definitely like to know what people would say. I, um, yeah, climate change would be number one for sure. I, I like, I would hope that strong uh, peace, justice and strong institutions would be number two or number three. So we have our first call to action, I think, from this podcast. That's uh, email info at the social org with which cause you think would be number one Boom. in uh, 2019, 2020. So let's talk about the top combinations. So these were the combinations between brands and, uh, and causes. Number one was Walmart and climate action, followed by Walmart and no poverty. So Walmart was the top selected brand. It's got the biggest impact probably in terms of uh, well it's probably the biggest company that out of the the list that we provided it was selected as the top combination between walmart and climate action why do you think that was man walmart's everywhere (laughs) uh if they aren't uh in a big box store uh in a neighborhood near you uh they are producing so much Right, their supply chain is is crazy. So the clothes, um, the amount of resources that they take out just to give us our everyday low prices. Uh, Walmart, like I don't know, I don't know how I feel about Walmart right now because they 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 definitely impact the globe, um, but they provide me with everyday low prices. So I I don't know. What yeah, they, it's true. It's like the extent to which you're sensitive to the. The price versus the impact and uh, on a day-to-day basis, how you're feeling about your personal finances versus the state of the world, right? Yeah. And like, what is Walmart doing to, to, to produce and manufacture and how are they impacting the different countries or jurisdictions that they're in just by virtue of just supply chain, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do, how do we get something in from China? Uh, three days later at such again low low prices i don't know why i'm, I'm plugging walmart so much on the low, <laughs> low prices but uh what is the impact well on the, they, the prices are low that's how <laughs> they, they undercut local uh, grocery stores when they come into a town and then once that grocery store no longer exists the theory is that they jack the prices back up right. yeah and then, Do you think that actually happens? Have you heard of that actually happening? So um, I I remember when I'm going to date myself a little bit, but when I was in university, we had Walmart was a decades uh, ago. <clears throat> what? <laughs> I'm staring at him. He can't know. He, we're on a podcast, so you can't actually see me. But that silence was a stare. Um, but anyway, so when I was in university a few years ago, okay, several years ago, uh, we. <laughs> We, uh, we actually did a study on Walmart because it was impacting communities 
in both at the beginning and at the end of its supply chain. So at the beginning, um, just by virtue of uh, a manufacturer manufacturing for Walmart, they would make people sleep in like their manuf uh, manufacturing plants. And that was crazy. So like you'd be in that manufacturing plant for out like 18, 20 hours. Uh, you're either you're either working, sleeping, or eating yeah. at a Walmart. No, no thanks. Yeah. And then over here, uh, what you would have, you'd, you'd have these like urban deserts, mm -hmm. right? Walmart would come in and then in a community and they'd be like, all right, well, boom, we don't need anybody else here anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you could just go to Walmart. And then that was that was when Walmart was just selling clothes. Now, now they got a pharmacy, they got a, like, they got banks, so, pharmacy. So, so since we're on this, this topic of this brand and what they're doing, one thing that I found was really interesting was a, a recent announcement that Walmart had uh, issued a, uh, a patent request for a, um, a form of bee drone, like a very, really, really small drone that is meant to mimic what a bee does essentially pollinate. Mm -hmm. um, and the implication there is if we run out of bees, these drones would step in. Now, there's a lot of implications associated with a private sector organization having control over critical ecosystem like infrastructure, right? But what do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, first of all, bees are fascinating. I've, I've been talking about bees for the last little while. I, I find how, like, even the pollination process is, is wild. But um, think about almonds. Like we, we, we've spoken about this, uh, not at length, but just most of the al almonds in the world come from one place, right? Which is? California. <laughs> um, so most of the almonds in the world come from California. And the amount of water that it takes to produce uh, almonds is, is, is a pretty intensive process. So then they start taking water from further and further out. And all of a sudden you're getting droughts in places that you never had droughts before, right? And then that a drought, what leads to a drought? I mean, what does the, what's the next logical conclusion after a drought? You get, you get fire, right? So all of a sudden now, I, I know it's not Walmart that's causing these bees to pollinate and make us almonds, but Walmart, they, they sell a lot of almonds, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, so that... that just by virtue of them selling stuff at such high volume and low, low prices, um, they, they impact climate in, in that sense. And that's just on the result off the top of my head. Right. So you're kind of making the connection between an organization's uh, climate impact and the uh, extent to which they should be expected to offset that. It's interesting that in Walmart's case, they're offsetting that through what I would argue is pretty fringe and pretty, um, forward-looking R&D, uh, tech R&D, yeah. right? To step in in like a black swan scenario where we would have some uh, aspect of, of critical ecosystem drop out. And it's, it, the implication from my perspective is now you got this private sector organization where on the one hand, if we are in that situation, like we want there to be robo bees that solve the problem for us so i'm terrified of that idea by the way walmart owning it or, or, or yeah walmart owning all the all the artificial bee intelligence in, in, in like does that not terrify you of course it, it does but 
what terrifies me more than that would be a situation where we'd run out of real bees and we wouldn't have the robo bees. Okay, so you, you so robo bees over no bees. Definitely robo bees over no bees. Okay. But definitely real bees over robo okay, bees. Okay, so we're on the same page. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and th that also raises another question is, um, do we solve for the problem or do we solve for the symptom? Right. So if right. Walmart is coming in and saying, you know what, bees are dying. Uh, let's just swap out real bees with artificial bees. Uh, and this is again, I don't know why this uh, ended up being a, a little podcast on Walmart, but they again have low, low prices. Well, they were the top results. <laughs> they were the top results, right? Yeah, this is true. So uh, do we do we does Walmart come in and say, you know what, we we're going to be the heroes of the day. We're gonna we're gonna do file all the patents and we're actually gonna produce uh, robo bees. And does that solve a problem, or are we solving for the symptom, right? Like, do we are we even sure about what happens to the, our ecosystem uh, if we just swap out real bees for robo bees? Mm. Um, do we do we know everything about a bee? Are, are we that confident that we know that much about bees that we could be like, okay? Uh, we know exactly what they're going to do if we just make them machines? Well, definitely not. I, d I don't think anyone would be, well, I'm definitely not equipped to have uh, an educated conversation about whether we're able to actually like sub in robo bees for real bees. Yeah. But I would say that <clears throat> dealing with some of these fringe cases, uh, it, it probably, I, I would be you know, honest to, to say that it does make me feel a bit better that we're trying to fill in all the potential loose ends that might exist as a result of our, um, our overactivity or, 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 or you know, rapid population growth. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hear where you're going. It's just like, well, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Solve for the reason that that's happening in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I but, but again, to, to your point and to your credit, it's at least they're thinking about the problem ahead of time. Yeah. Right. So, uh, thinking about the problem and filing the patent, maybe, maybe nothing comes out of it, but it's a conversation that happens where it's just like, yo, people are starting to come in and, and they're starting to notice that bees are declining mm. and they're starting to notice the impact on, on mm. climate. Mm. And they're starting to notice whatever, like you remove money from the situation, maybe they don't do it. So this is one of those situations where money is actually prompting uh, corporate social responsibility. Mm. And that's, that's a good thing mm -hmm. in, in, in mm -hmm. some cases. Um, but again, Robo bees, man. Mm -hmm. There's that analogous comparison with um, with drug R and D, mm -hmm. right? And the argument made there is, in terms of pharmaceutical IP defense, is like you need the incentive there in order for the uh, innovation to happen. True. And you can make that exact same argument, it's like a springboard argument for dealing with black swan economic crises and having a technological solution step in to take care of that someone could make the argument that I need to be able to capitalize in order to actually solve this problem. Um, beyond that, it's just like uh, we're relying on some type of wartime-esque all hands on deck effort to, to plug the hole in the, uh, in the levee, right? True, but again, if there's artificial robo bees and then there's a war, 
Uh, <laughs> we can have both of those things. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Convergence there? Yeah, oh my goodness. Whew. You don't want to fight that. No, I don't want to fight that. So, so the third combination was uh, a tie between Shopify <clears throat> and Canadian Tire, both uh, attached to this goal of climate. So, mm -hmm. so a lot of people were selecting uh, climate action as, as a key priority. And it seemed like they were focused on big box stores being who they felt should support that goal. And just sort of running behind those big box stores was big e-commerce, which in this context would have been Shopify. So mm -hmm. it seems that whether you're moving goods physically or if you're moving goods via the internet, people think that you should be addressing climate change specifically. Do you have any opinions as to why that would be? I mean, globalization, right? is the movement of goods requires the movement of people, requires the movement of equipment, requires the, the, the consumption of fossil or uh, finite resources. So if we don't do that properly, we were going to be exerting a lot of energy faster than what we initially thought. That's problematic. Um, and I guess if I'm on a website and I want something tomorrow and I see that the origin country is around the world, but it could get to me in 12 hours, that, that raises questions. Uh, as, as amazing as that is, because I've been in a pinch where I needed something the next day and it came the next day when everything was closed. Um, how, does, how do they get that to me so quickly? Mm. Uh, and what does that mean for the movement of goods? Is, is that is something coming to me from Asia or Europe within 20 hours impacting the ocean? Probably. Like, and how bad though? Yeah, we don't know that. We don't know. It's but... like what? How much life is an organic apple buying you for that extra dollar? We don't know that. You don't know. You don't know. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, no. It's 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 those anything any large scale movement is 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 not questionable but raises questions no and i think it's i think it's it's good that people have actually started asking those questions or connecting the dots at least at the very least connecting the dots yeah right uh, they know that it's something right so on this note of food uh, one of the comments people uh, attached to uh, longos was that Longos should be supporting poverty reduction initiatives. Mm -hmm. And they said Longos slash Grocery Gateway, which is their grocery delivery mm -hmm. initiative, would be a good brand to support poverty reduction um, by helping those in need of food and other basic necessities. So it's like, to what extent, if you're doing business in a, in a local geographic region, are you a steward for those that live there? So uh, I had this conversation with uh, a mentor of mine, actually, we were going out for lunch and uh, we are, we see this, this, this massive selection of sandwiches, probably like a hundred sandwiches and we eat lunch pretty late. So it's like 2.30, 3pm. And we know that very few people are going to have sandwiches after 3.30, 4pm because then, then it's dinner time. I'm not buying a sandwich for tomorrow. I'm going to mm. buy a tomorrow sandwich tomorrow. Mm. So then we asked, what do you do with these sandwiches? Hmm. And they're like, yo, we throw them out. Jeez. <laughs> there's, there's still, like I said, there's probably a hundred left. <sighs> and they throw them out every night. Yeah. So then we asked, okay, well, we, we, were, we were actually so bewildered that the woman just 
said, okay, these guys are not going to buy any sandwiches. So she left. And then we had a conversation amongst ourselves and we we're just like, man, it's got to be liability. Like this is a liability yeah. issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So on one yeah. hand, you want Longos to be giving food away before it perishes. On the other hand, it's a legal problem here. In France, it's different. In France, they give away their food at the end of like, it, I think it was the last couple of years that they started um, writing legislation, which said, we're going to start giving away food to the, the, uh, the needy at the end of the night, which I think is massive. <clears throat> Have they done any of the sort of public health implication analyses of that? I think it's too soon to tell. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not as caught up on that as I should be. So mm -hmm. I don't know if I should have mm -hmm. brought it up, but at least mm -hmm. I, I brought it up more so to say that this is <laughs> people are doing different stuff. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, this is, a, this is something that people are aware of right. and there, there's different answers to this solution. Right. And as much as, um, it's important not to be sued, it's almost more important to feed the people in our community. So from my perspective, it's like, if you know that you are regularly wasting 30% of your inventory, why not give away 15% of your inventory before that even happens? If you have stats on where it, where waste happens, you know, so perhaps that whole giving away food once it's already passed, it's um, either expiration date or reasonable assumption that it will be sold the date. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you have reasonable, let's say predictability in terms of when this, uh, or sorry, how much food you're going to be wasting, why not preemptively give some away? Now, I, I truth be told, I don't know what they're doing uh, in terms of, in terms of this right now. So that's probably where I'll stop. But to me, that seems like, you know, a decently logical argument. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm totally with that, that question. Uh, but I'll, I'll flip it. Um, because I'm guilty of this too, even though I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like big box storage, you got to do better. Um, as a consumer, as an individual, we're wasting 20 to 50% of our food weekly, yeah. like stats wise. This is not, this is not me personally, right. but like th this is as an individual, as individuals, that's what we're doing. Right. Um, and that's wild to me. But then I'm just like, how do I waste food? I don't waste food. And then I, I go buy these, I go to. Uh, this a local big box store and I say I'm going to be healthy and I buy these fresh uh, spinach I know I know everybody knows this problem you buy the spinach oh, and, and the salad and you're just like I'm going to eat salad all week and then day three comes and you look at it and you're just like man this expires in <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the worst is when you buy it and then it's already kind of half gone bad and you weren't able to tell when you bought it Dude. So I'm not taking ownership for that waste. No, no. <laughs> but then you're just like, well, it's like touching it and like, ah, no, no yeah, I can't. Yeah. these are a good recourse, but even then it, the taste can be off. Yeah. And you have yeah. to dump some sugar into it or something or something that has sugar into it. Yeah. And, and then, 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 and then you're, you're just creating another problem by masking a problem. So like, yeah. I like, maybe we do, we reduce our consumption on like top bottom. Right. Uh, but who starts that conversation? Right. Is it you? Or is it this? Is, is Make it, the argument that we just did. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so in terms of some of the other uh, comments that people made, one of them that's interesting here is people felt that respondents of our study felt that the Hudson's Bay Company should support quality education. And this is the comment here. As a strong Canadian brand, 
I feel they were the best choice to support worldwide education because this is one of Canada's known values globally. So this was like a act global type of uh, uh, assertion this person was making. I find it, uh, I find that that interesting. So uh, Hudson's Bay Company is no longer owned by a Canadian, I don't think. No, I it's think still, it's uh, Lord and Taylor now. I'm not sure, yeah, I, but I, I know that we don't, like, yeah, we yeah. as Canadians don't own that. No. But still, like the perception of the brand is that it is Canadian. Sure. Uh, they support our Olympics. Yeah. Uh, they, they, the opening games. I know. I am. I'm. I'm just proud to be Canadian when I when I see Canada decked out on the HBC gear. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> Canada is known, has been known, should be known as a a jurisdiction or a country that pushes education. Um, and equity, uh, global, 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 global and equitable education uh, systems, uh, because the way that we see it is education is a thing that is it's almost like the Rosetta Stone of everything else, right? If you at least know what you're getting into, you can solve a problem. Um, and, that, and that's sort of, sorry to cut you off, that, no. that's sort of why people had selected quality education the most the first time around. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that we haven't mentioned was quality education was the top selected goal for both of our studies. So yeah. that was a common thread between them. Yeah. Uh, let me throw a curveball here a little bit. Okay. Where my mind goes when I see education mixed with Hudson's Bay Company is I think about the First Nations people in Canada. Yeah. And I think about residential schools. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a fair connection to make, but I, I, I almost view that as like a no fly zone for, for this company. I'm not, I'm not sure what their connection mm -hmm. um, to, um, you know, that was, but it just brings up an association. And so the question I want to ask is, you know, the extent to which these associations brands need to be aware of them and to what extent they need to acknowledge them and does it make sense to react to them? Like how many people do you think would make that same connection? I might be out to lunch here, but how many people do you think would make that connection? And how many, and, and uh, do you think that brands should react to things like that? So <clears throat> that's a great uh, curveball question. Let me uh, answer it in a piece by piece fashion. Okay. Um, so how many people do I think are aware of the possibility of an HBC, uh, Hudson's Bay company uh, and residential schools connection, I don't think that many people would be. Okay. Some people might be. Okay. Uh, and it depends on where you are. Okay. So that's, that's the nuance. Um, but larger than that, is it the responsibility of, a, of an organization or a large-scale company to be aware of these problems? Right. 100%. Yeah. Um, is, it, is something, just because it's problematic, should an organization stop from wanting to push uh, education, uh, no. They just have to be better, all right? They can't come in and say, we're building this school, you're gonna teach you, we're gonna teach you your programs or the programs that we want. I'm a big uh, bias. I'm like a huge into sociology, huge into how uh, people in groups think and behave and the interaction between that and technology. That's my, that's always been my interest. Um, but in, in recent times, our interest has, has, it's gone to hardcore math, business engineering, and it takes away from the appreciation of different cultures. Gotcha. So a quality education doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to put them into STEM. 
Right. A quality education is just something to give them access to understanding how different parts of the world work. And maybe, you know what, maybe the education is both ways, right? So one of the insights that we had in terms of the study was that quality education was treated sort of like a shared responsibility between uh, the different brands by the respondents, mm -hmm. which means to us that quality education was the top selected cause, but it was equally attributed to each of the brands that were part mm -hmm. of the study. And where my mind goes when I interpret that result, I start thinking about the fact that some organizations, mainly in the tech space, have adopted a like a quasi um, apprenticeship type model mm -hmm. where they're kind of uh, subvert not subverting but they're providing alternate paths around traditional higher education yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and i'm wondering what do you what's your perspective on whether that can be treated as a social impact initiative like let's say if you are walmart mm -hmm. if you're if you're saying Oh, come come here out of high school. We'll train you on how to be a good Walmart employee. Whether that would be viewed as a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that's a tough one. Um, so I would answer it like this: uh, diversity is key. Right. Not everybody needs to go to university. Right. Not everybody needs to go to college. Uh, but everybody needs to learn. Right. So whatever, however we decide to train people to build up skills that are going to be useful for their life mm -hmm. let's do that right um can walmart do that uh under the big tent of this is how you're going to be a bit better walmart employee i'm not sure <laughs> right, 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 right. but is is the, is it is it walmart's responsibility to say in order for you to be a better employee you need to be a better person mm. I think that's a different, that's a conversation that we could have. And then we could actually legitimately argue that it is Walmart's responsibility. Uh, they're one of the biggest, they're, I think the second or third biggest employer in the States, right? Yeah. Like think about how many people, there, there are more Walmart employees than teachers. That's wild. Right. <laughs> like, so what does that mean for the amount of people who are working at a Walmart? Yeah. How so that that's, where you're, I feel like you're going with that is, you know, the people there could be leveraged as a platform for good. If you were to spread some type of shared, um, shared, uh, let's say objective or end path, yeah. which they can do that. Uh, I want to bring up uh, a, a couple more things that, that we discovered throughout the, the scope of our research uh, on this note of providing a platform. Um, we looked at the tech that can enable giving mm -hmm. and that can enable social impact. And, and I guess we were looking at social giving and, and ways of routing funds to mm -hmm. causes. And, and when we came across some platforms that actually supplied either like, like let's say plugins into e-commerce uh, infrastructure, like a Shopify plugin where it would, you could select from a drop down menu and, and select a cause and, and then uh, money would go to that cause. If you, if you, uh, you know, purchase the good, we also came across some platforms that were kind of like a platform as a service model mm -hmm. where uh, like, let's say the example, there would be a brand called Yertle that uh, supplies companies like Patagonia, the ability to control the resale of their goods. So once 
you know, if you've already, if you already bought a Patagonia jacket, but you want to sell it to someone else, it would facilitate that type of transaction mm -hmm. as well. So looking at the extent to which technology is starting to support these, uh, these business models, mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, from your perspective, do you think that these brands should be looking to divert a portion of the money people spend on the goods themselves to causes, or do you think they should worry about their own practices, uh, primarily in terms of like uh, responsible supply chains, and then uh, look at uh, you know impacts that they can have through direct investment of their own profits? Mm -hmm. like, do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Should it be on because they're routing the essentially you can make the argument that if you're routing money from the product price you're transferring a portion of that cost to the consumer mm -hmm. versus providing it at the lowest possible price and then going off and spending your profits yeah yeah so <clears throat> i'm kind of i'm i'm and i and i hate to say it like this but i'm kind of trapped between two minds on this uh, mind number one is um our fundamental assumption is that we like all humans are good. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, the easiest, and the reason why we were looking at some of these, um, research sites or some of these apps and applications and platforms was because our not assumption, but our, our fundamental belief is that people are inherently good. So how can we make people just more aware to be better? Right. So, and not that they're not like, it's not that there's going to, it's not that they're not better. It's just simply helping them do something that they would normally do or want to do, mm -hmm. but they just don't put the effort. Making to. it e as easy as possible. Exactly. To do good. Exactly. I see, I see where you're going. Yeah. So, um, the ability to have a, a company to say, we're going to divert funds mm -hmm. to support a cause. Mm -hmm. is great mm -hmm. right it helps both the brand and it helps the consumer mm -hmm. feel good mm -hmm. right that's a that's a win-win mm -hmm. um the should it be sorry the second i, I don't want to confuse the second part of your question though the yeah. second part was it's it's like should they have it as part of the product price or should they charge the lowest possible price and then just you know, on the back end, uh, have like CSR initiatives mm -hmm. and have like a, bu a budget line item and have a certain amount that they just invest into social causes. Okay. And the thinking being there, you know, don't transfer the cost to the customer. Like this should come out of your, your pocket. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I feel like you kind of gave the answer there in terms of making it as easy as possible. And one way to maybe address that, that whole um, uh, idea of price elasticity would be to have something like a matching contribution yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. Right. At the end, it's, it's almost like, like when you go to the LCBO and, and buy, you know, you buy, you know, a, a, a six pack and, and mm -hmm. they ask if you want to donate two bucks to the United way. Yeah. But uh, having that digitized as part of the e-commerce experience. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think uh, we've run our course today. So, who would have thunk it? We did yeah. it. Yeah, we did it, right? <laughs> we got through the results. At least there's definitely a whole bunch of stuff we want to talk about, um, you know, next time uh, on, on the next podcast. 
uh, that, that we'd want to do. And uh, we probably get more into the tech uh, a bit next time. But I want to say thank you to all the listeners um, who, uh, who took this in. Uh, like I said, if you have uh, any comments about uh, future uh, episodes that you'd want us to focus on um, in terms of topic, subject matter, please send us an email at info at social, thesocialexchange.org. That's info at thesocialexchange.org. I'm Dave. I'm Guy. Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh.